podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am back. Thanks to David Campbell's aggressive writing campaign. (laughs) (laughs) I am back as the host of Central. My name is Ross McLeod. Back after, well, a very long hiatus. But I mean, in fairness, I had two holidays in that time. So, you know, piss off. Um, Back as the host of ESSR Central after Scott and Chris brought the show back last week. And this week I am joined by David Hockney. Dave, how are you? I'm doing good, but you know what? You've had two holidays uh, in the past few weeks. I still need one uh, for the first time in about two years. So, but I'm just patiently waiting until I can get that sailing trip to Croatia this summer. <laughs> I've already booked a third holiday, so I, I, I offer no apologies to anyone. But <laughs> first world, first world problems, eh? Exactly. Exactly. You'll get you'll get a central when I say you get a central. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. If we don't if we don't give you a central on certain weeks, well, we've got a massive back catalogue of central feature shows, reviews, previews, interviews, and all the news. You can find that Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and uh, not Instagram. No, no, but we do have an Instagram. We'll talk about that in a minute. No, but you can find it on Android, iTunes, Spotify, and do we still do Anchor? I mean, I'm going to stop mentioning Anchor. Okay, it's gone the way of uh, it's gone the way of VHS. You know what I mean? It's still a podcasting site, nonetheless. I think, you know, if people still use Anchor, you should encourage them to use Anchor. People have Spotify and iTunes now, David. We've moved on. We've moved <laughs> the i the, the iPod won, the Zoom lost. We move with the times. But anyway, I was talking about an Instagram there. You can find our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's at Suplex Retweet, at Suplex Retweet. And any complaints you can level to at CapDave91. That's at CapDave91. Uh, can, can you fuck? Okay. <laughs> but um, let's just bounce right into it here. Um, backlash, or WrestleMania Backlash, I should say, was this past Sunday. Um, a WWE premium live event, David. I know we love saying that. Yeah, I mean, just when you couldn't make pay-per-view titles and concepts even more complicated, you, instead of backlash, it's WrestleMania backlash. And instead of just saying pay-per-view, three syllables, you're now stuck with premium live event, which is twice as many. <laughs> but um, something is the more things change, more things stay the same. And Seth Rollins opening a backlash with an absolute banger. Uh, he's done it before, he done it again, and he was not alone. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, I thought a better match than their WrestleMania match. Absolutely tore the house down in the opening match here. Cody Rhodes getting the win again. I'm glad to see that. Not 50-50 booking. We're sticking, we're sticking straight with the Cody push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think there was definitely a lot more big spots in this match compared to the WrestleMania one, because I think everybody was just purely hyped on the fact that you know Cody jumped ship officially from AEW back to WWE uh, I think that was sort of overshadowed well the match was sort of overshadowed by Rhodes' return alone where it's this you know you could focus primarily on the action and there are plenty of great spots here you know you had the obviously the Rollins always missing the Phoenix splash but then rolling through but one one that actually caught my attention was the the attempted vertebraker towards the end I mean that can go one of two ways either it's a really fluid move that, you know, it looks devastating on impact or it's, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. But the the reversal into the roll-up towards the end, I think it was a good way to counter it. But seeing seeing these guys, you know, pull out moves that you wouldn't traditionally see with other matches, you know, they're generally a bit more straightforward. You know, these guys will always put on a barn burner. And I dare say, you know, they were the best match at WrestleMania and they certainly were, I'd think, the best, the best match of this backlash. Yeah, no contest. I think for the backlash one, a couple of couple of matches people might point to, but certainly a case to be made for WrestleMania as well. Um, Rhodes currently two and zero in the series. Um, he said on Raw the very next night uh, when asked by Kevin Kelly, no, is it Kevin? Kevin who? Kevin Patrick. Kevin, I'm, I'm thinking going back to the 2000s, Kevin Kelly, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, Kevin Patrick, because he's Irish and he must be called Patrick. Um, <laughs> was was interviewing him ahead of his United States title match with Theory. Um, 
and asked him, what's next for you and Seth Rollins? Cody Rhodes says, I'm putting this behind me. I'm going to go out and win that United States title. And just when it looked like he was about to win the US title, Seth Rollins appears from nowhere. I love when Seth Rollins is back against the wall. We've seen it in the Edge feud. We've seen it in the Rey Mysterio feud. The manic sort of wild animal, the, the, the crazy eyes, the crazy hair, just going after someone like a man possessed. Mm-hmm. And we got this on Raw. And... Dave, we always complain that, you know, Hell in a Cell, you know, some the, the pay-per-view concept has certainly diluted it. However, it would be the perfect blow-off point uh, for Rhodes and Seth Rollins and Cody Seth Rollins. Cody getting three wins against Seth Rollins and having three barn burners certainly sets them up nicely for the pay-per-view following that, uh, Money in the Bank. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, I mean... I wasn't too sold on the idea of seeing these guys do three matches in a row, given that, you know, I think the more they do it, they sort of dilute it a little bit. But I think the way it's been booked, especially, you know, with the um, the finish for Backlash, you know, it was uh, a roll-up holding the tights. At least Rollins is an excuse to be have that manic, crazy persona again. It's like, you didn't beat me properly, that kind of thing. And the only way to definitively defeat someone is inside Hell in a Cell, which also will put an exclamation mark on the feud. So, and if the plan is, you know, if Cody's going to get, you know, pushed towards world title contention by the time Money in the Bank rolls around, he does need to look as strong as possible. But it's a shame he didn't win the US title because, you know, if he'd done so, he would have been a Grand Slam champion. Well, sort of on his route to becoming a Grand Slam champion, at least, because he still needs to win the, the world title. But uh, it's just it feels weird because I, I get the impression like he's already won a world title given the way he's been it, the way his character's been portrayed. But I suppose winning the US title would be uh would have been quite interesting given you know he's all about America and defeating <laughs> the the villains and stuff. <laughs> um, you mentioned the the finish there as well. I think that quite interesting. The excuse uh, Seth Rollins had in the lead up was that he didn't know who his opponent was going to be, you know, as Cody had the element of surprise, he's not going to get that backlash. Technically, he did cheat to win, however, it was after Rollins himself had also tried to cheat, so it's a bit of a, pardon me, like, the heel has a point, but he also, he's a bit, it's still bitching, whining heel, if you get me. I like, I mean, Two wrongs don't make a right, but yeah, I think his hatred and his response was certainly justified in that, well, if I can't cheat, you can't cheat either. So, but the curb stomp on the table, though, I think, you know, the the brutal finish, you know, it's, it, I think it's just a sign of things to come, you know, if, if they do end up having a Hell in a Cell match. And, but the good thing is they're actually, against, you know, my initial reservations about them diluting the feud, it's actually, they've made it, interesting now they've made me want to see them have a third one now especially with hell in a cell coming up it was because you know given how well they did with the edge rollins feud last year i mean they're doing a really good job of trying to do something similar with seth cody now yeah i think so but uh, i'm i'm very much for uh seeing them go again but um we'll talk about another feud that you know we're talking about a feud that could possibly go too long, but people are still interested in seeing it and Seth and Cody. A feud that um, I, I described it as Scott as two people I have no interest in, two two genuinely unlikable people, and that's Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> um, I, I just did not care less uh, about this match. However, the I Quit match was a great match. Uh, I did like... Um, Ronda snapping when Charlotte told her, hey, happy Mother's Day. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I like that. Um, but um, Ronda Rousey wins the SmackDown Women's title. Rumours that it was going to be Ronda Charlotte to get the original WrestleMania main event that Vince wanted. And then the rematch, Ronda Becky. So... My question here is, and it was also referenced in a promo by Rhonda when she said, you're not special, you're just the first bitch I ought to seek to. Is, is Ronda Rousey going to hold this title until WrestleMania? 
or like what like what what's going to happen here? Like because I can't see. I, I could maybe see Ronda Charlotte once again Hell in a Cell, but the thing here is unlike Seth and Cody. I don't want to see it again. I'm done with this feud. It's been going on since January. I know the Hell in a Cell could be a perfect, you know, stopping point, but at the same time, I just, I really don't care. Well, I think, I actually don't think it's going to happen at Hell in a Cell because there was a a story that came out of Backlash stating that on the bump that Charlotte suffered a, a kayfabe injury. And that's going to be out of action indefinitely. So I doubt she's going to appear for Hell in a Cell. But I think from what reports are saying is the the kayfabe reason she's been written off is because uh, she's getting married to to Andrade. So I, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to say how long she'll be out for because obviously, you know, there's the wedding. There's probably going to be a honeymoon period as well. I'm... I think Helena sells a bit optimistic to see her back by then. I reckon at earliest it'll be money in the bank. Like imagine, you know, there's six women, for example, competing in the ladder match, uh, or seven rather, and they say the eighth one's a mystery opponent, and then Charlotte does a, a Brock Lesnar, charges out, pushes a ladder over into a poor cameraman, climbs up the ladder, and then just swipes the briefcase out from everyone's nose. And yeah, you could have at the top, you could just have somebody like I don't know, say like Aaliyah or something standing at the top, like with one hand on the briefcase and then you hear Charlotte's music and then she just freezes. Quick question, who would you have maybe going up against Rousey at Hell in a Cell? Because I think Money in the Bank is a perfect um, mm. perfect pay-per-view to give the champions the night off because you you really don't care who fights for the title because you're there. For, it's like the Royal Rumble Money in the Bank. You're there for the title matches for the, sorry, mm-hmm. the titular, or is that how you pronounce it? Yep, titular, yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, matches, um, you, you really don't care. And nine times out of ten, if there's a women's title or a men's world title match, all it does is take a credible challenge, a contender from the Money in the Bank match out. So I think it's a perfect opportunity to give Rousey maybe time off. And then, mm. I don't know, maybe July 30th, SummerSlam this year, is that when we're going to see the blow-off? I'd, like I said, Rousey Charlotte, I'm pretty much done with it, but there's no one on SmackDown that comes close to Charlotte, and there's definitely no one that comes close to Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think Rousey should probably take the next pay-per-view off. Uh, like, just have the have the Raw Women's title defended at Hell in a Cell. Like, because there was only, I said this to, to Ryan on Saturday Draft Live, there was there was only one championship match on Backlash, and it was this women's title match. Like no other championships were on the line, given that you know the main event featured at least four. Uh, it was it was mental, and but yeah, the next next pay per view have give us buddy Bianca Becky Asuka a triple threat match. I mean, Bianca Asuka alone, you know, we got that on Raw for free. That alone could have sold a pay-per-view title match. And we know how good Asuka is in the ring and how dominant a champion she's been. I think she did give Bianca a run for her money come hell in a cell and stuff. So, like, I really don't understand why they didn't save Bianca Asuka for a pay-per-view. It's it's baffling. I, I, sorry, I take a wee bit of offence there, Dave, that you're, you're saying there's only one title match on the line. Did you not watch the... The match for the Andrew the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy <laughs> between <laughs> Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. I wasn't even aware that was for the, uh, no, the no, trophy. No, no, just taking the piss. It, ah, it I could have yeah. I, I fucking I, I skipped by it. I, I was me and Scott were about uh, me and Scott had like uh, watched something before it, and we didn't watch any of the pre-show, and we were just like, right. All in favour of skipping this? Yes, right. Let's skip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nine minutes we it didn't. The match before the main... Yeah, it was the match before the main event. It was basically the piss, the piss break match, unfortunately. Yeah, but that we, uh... or almost Bobby. Almost Bobby, I thought was pretty decent for what it was. It was certainly better than the WrestleMania one. Uh, but let's move on to um, Edge AJ Styles. Another match I thought was better than the WrestleMania one. Um, 
Damien Priest banned from ringside, but it's wrestling, so who cares what the rules are? Um, Damien Priest made mm-hmm. his presence felt it at ringside, only for former foe Finn Balor to come out and uh, sort of even the odds. And when it looked like AJ was about to hit the phenomenal forearm, who appears from the crowd? But a masked man, it's Joy Mercury, clearly. No, it's Rhea Ripley with a new... Uh, a new golf hairstyle. She's been to the cat house once and she's dyeing her hair. <laughs> she's getting a tattoo. She's hanging about with those wrongings. No, uh, <laughs> Rhea Ripley, uh, the newest member of Judgment Day. And th- this goes back to when Rhea Ripley uh, walked out after her and uh, Liv Morgan lost a tag match on the Raw after Mania and Edge made his entrance. Like, it's it, it's wee things like that. They were planting the seed the whole time, and I, I do I do like going back and noticing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhea Ripley handily disposing of Liv Morgan the next night on, uh, on Raw. Where do you think they go with this Judgment, line, uh, judgment Day line story? Because... We know Edge Edge has said he won't be wrestling every month. I, I'm surprised he did, pardon me, uh, two in a row uh, with WrestleMania and WrestleMania Backlash. I think he'll be more of a manager's role coming up uh, for the next few months. Where did Damien and Rhea go here? What is What does success look like for the Judgment Day? That's difficult to say, really, because... You can't have Priest really go after the US title when you've got Theory as the heel champion. And I think Rhea, I suppose, could be a challenger for Bianca, but you'd need to build a you need to build an angle around that, you know, because you know Judgment Day is still it's still growing, it's still developing. I don't think you can rush them into a major program so soon. Like let them get a bit of momentum first, and I think there was talk of maybe adding a fourth member as well. The I think the obvious candidate that the dirt sheets are talking about is is Champa, you know, given that he recently turned heel against Mustafa Ali. Ali. It's yeah. um there's definitely potential there, but I think it needs more time to develop. And there was a few things on the raw after that I noticed. You know, it was nice little tweaks to to Rhea's persona. Not only did she just dye her hair black, but I don't know if you noticed under her left eye. You know, she usually yeah. has like a little. Oh yeah, it was like a little sort of ink drawing or something. Normally, in this one, it was a set of scales. I think yeah, she changes it depending on the mood. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, ironically, you're talking about um, you mentioned uh, Austin Theory, the, the heel uh, US champion, and ironically, I think the best place for them is SmackDown at the minute. You know, they've got the. Mm. You've got the trio of uh, Butch, Butch, Sheamus, and Ridge Holland to have like a, a triple threat match with uh, a six man tag if they add a third man. Um, Rhea Ripley can run through the undercard and become a credible threat for Ronda Rousey, and it's no skin off her back if she loses to Rousey. So she's in a win win position there. And of course, we have. Um, you, you talked about the heel champion uh, theory, but we've got a face champion and uh, Ricochet in the Intercontinental title picture. Uh-huh. And even even if you had a third man, uh, I know Big E's out injured, but Ricochet and the other two members of the New Day, Kofi and Woods, going up against Edge, Champ and Priest could have some really good matches. So I'm thinking the, the best place for them could be SmackDown. Yeah, that's not a bad shout, actually, although I think you'd probably have to do like a trade or something like that with uh, between Raw and SmackDown. I mean, WWE does whatever it wants, you know, maybe they could just announce a trade where and when and, you know, they'll give us, they'll trade Judgment Day for, as you say, the Fight Night trio. And then, you know, that's something fresh for both feuds. Even, even still, like, Edge's new persona, he's, he's saying about how he'll do what he wants, when he wants, from atop his mountain of omnipotence. On mm. omnipotence. Yeah. Fucking hell. What, what's the name called? <laughs> omnipotence. Thank you. Aye. And the show is called Dignity. But, um, yeah, oh, fuck off. 
<laughs> I, I, you know, but you're right. You know, he's like he just he could just walk straight to a barber shop and he said, "Yeah, I've got a new disciple called Rhea Ripley. Give me what she's got." <laughs> Shot back in Rhea, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting going forward, seeing what happens uh, with the Judgment Day. But we'll move on to the main event, which was the Bloodline: Roman Reigns, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, and the SmackDown Tag Champions, the Usos, going up against. RK Bro, the Raw Tag Champs, and Drew McIntyre, the only man in this match without a title. So I actually thought this would be the match where Roman gets pinned. I thought this was a perfect opportunity to have Roman get pinned but not not lose the title. It's a six-man tag match. He can blame someone else. And Drew has that over Roman that I've pinned you because... In their matches before, WrestleMania, Road, uh, not Roadblock, Stomping Grounds and uh, Survivor Series, Roman's won every time. Mm-hmm. Drew doesn't have that pinfall victory and it would be something to hang his hat on. But um, Bloodline got the win, Bloodline remaining dominant and Riddle took one hell of a spear. <laughs> oh, oh, oh gosh, I've never seen a, I haven't seen a spear that good since, oh I don't know actually, uh, it's been a the while since I've seen a spear. is still Goldberg on Nudzio. Yes, that's a, that was a belter. But then again, Dolph Ziggler did take a couple of nasty ones at SummerSlam 2018. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a, a pretty good six-man tag match. Do you think the right people won out, or do you think... Um, do you think uh, the bloodline should have taken a loss here to build towards a new challenger? No, I think having the bloodline win... I mean, I see where you're coming from. I think, you know, it a loss to the bloodline, like, you know, pin one of the Usos, and it doesn't do them a, a great deal of harm. But then again, it didn't do RK Bro a great deal of harm either because it was Reigns that scored the pinfall and it didn't do Drew any harm either. But I've said this before before WrestleMania came around. If the Bloodline is going to be the number one faction in WWE, they need to look as dominant as possible. And if that means, you know, giving them endless wins for however long they want to be, they want to keep the Bloodline, you know, like the main feature of WWE programming. I think they have to go. They have to win, and they have to win day in, day out. And if Roman's the one that's scoring the pinfall, that more asserts his dominance rather than, and the Usos get boosted by association. So, but I think it's clear. You know, I think they got cold feet with wanting to unify the tag titles so early after WrestleMania, and I think they're they're definitely saving it for a, a bigger show. Whether. See, my original thought was the Usos were unified the tag titles, but now I'm starting to have second thoughts. I mean, if they're going to go with a, a 50-50 booking, you know, have RK Bro maybe unify them. Well, you mentioned, obviously, the cold feet. Uh, Roman Reigns ripped up the contract. He said, this ain't happening. Um, RK Bro bounced back pretty quickly. They had a, a great Raw tag team title match against the Bloodline um, on... You mean the street uh, profits? I mean the street profits. I've got the bloodline on the brain. Aye. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but the street profits um, defeated them. Uh, Riddle with a, an amazing RKO bro <laughs> catching mm-hmm. Montez Ford on the dive, and yeah, RKO bro are going to head to SmackDown. They said before it. Uh, that if the big dog doesn't allow the match to happen again, he obviously doesn't have faith in his cousins to unify the tag titles the way he unified the world titles. So, yeah, putting putting the ball in the the Usos in Roman Reigns' court, playing a bit of mind games with the bloodline, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Not a fan of them, like I'm not a fan of them unifying but not unifying titles, if you will. Um, they've made it clear that it's still a WWE and a Universal title and he's holding both so Mm -hmm. I I, I wonder how you end up breaking that up but hey who knows but um, yeah that was WrestleMania Backlash a a pay-per-view with not a lot of build barred maybe the main event and the I Quit match but uh, a pay-per-view that was quite enjoyable six matches three hours and we're up the road I thought it was quite a good Mm pay-per-view 
yeah, all in all, I think, you know, there was a lot of rematches from WrestleMania, but then again, they were all matches that I think had substance to them, especially, you know, Cody and Seth and the, the I Quit match, you know, it added a bit of, it, it needed some championship prestige to this pay-per-view and that's what Ronda Charlotte brought to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And every match, bar bar the uh, the Andrew the Giant Memorial Battle Royal blow-off match, uh, <laughs> did deliver. It reminded me a bit of the, do you remember Luke Harper versus Eric Rowan a few years ago from Backlash? Where just, oh, there gosh. was no build, it was just added at the last minute and no one gave a shit. That's what that match sort of reminded me of. So, uh-huh. but yeah, uh, another pay per view this past weekend coming from Impact Wrestling, their live monthly specials that they presented under siege. Uh, a great card there. Um, they actually had a blow off to a, a long standing feud on this show. That's why I like Impact. These uh, sort of pay per views, but not pay per views, they're sort of like in your house specials. Like takeovers. Uh, yeah, they're kind of like takeovers. Um, but yeah, they had uh, Taya Valkyrie defending the Reina de Reina's uh, AAA title against Donna Perrazzo. Uh, the Virtuosa no longer having two titles, having lost the AAA Reina de Reina's title to Taya back at Rebellion and losing the Ring of Honor title this past, was it past Wednesday on Dynamite? Yeah. Past, yeah, last week she lost it to Mercedes Martinez. Yeah. So looking to retain the Reina de Reina's title, they were at one apiece in their feud. Uh, the finish comes when Donna tries to hit uh, Taya with the AAA title, only for the referee to try to take offer. And there's a struggle going on. Taya Valkyrie gets the roll up, one, two, three. But before she can celebrate, Donna Perazzo still holding the title, hits her with the Triple A Reina de Reina's title. The lights go out only for the head bitch in charge. Yes, we can say bitch now. Mia Yim yep. to make her impact wrestling return. Um, I'd like it noted, this this debut and this five-star women's match all took place without the Impact Knockouts title. The Impact Knockouts title was sort of an afterthought on this show compared to this blow-off feud and Mia Yim debuting. Uh, but yeah, Mia Yim, it's good to see her back on back on a wrestling promotion and back in amongst a uh, title consideration. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, she's been enjoying, you know, married life. She's been on a honeymoon period. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to see her back, you know, because, you know, towards the end of her WWE tenure, she was vastly underutilized and, you know, as, as reckoning as part of uh, Retribution. But NXT Mia Yim is what I think everybody's been missing for some time. You know, somebody who who I think could have been a major player in NXT, but I don't think she was really given her dues. Um, you know, I think she just sort of fell in fell into the shadows amongst the likes of Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, and a few others too, like Bianca as well being another example. But I think in Impact, Mia Yim is going to be is going to be a top contender, you know, when you're talking to the likes of Taya Valkyrie and Diora Perazzo. Like, these these three women, you know, they're, like, arguably Impact's top three, I would say. And that's, I mean, just imagine what that says about Tasha Steeles, who's the current Impact Knockouts Women's Champion. I, I like Tasha Steeles. I think she's pretty good, but I'm not a fan of Havoc, uh... I've I've never seen her have a good match, and I just I honestly think they are terrible. Uh, her and Rosemary, Rosemary's pretty good, but Havoc just she, just a big lumbering slow wrestler who every time I've seen her just looks so uncomfortable in the ring. And but yeah, Mia Yim certainly brings a bit of name value, especially from her time in NXT. I think. You mentioned uh, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair was someone who suffered from uh, Shayna Baszler's like, amazing title reign uh, and then Rhea Ripley winning the title. When she beat um, when she beat Shayna, they were going to need something special to beat Rhea Ripley. And of course that came in the way of Charlotte Flair. 
And then you had Io Shirai, and by the time Io Shirai won the title, Bianca Belair was already up on the main roster. So Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai for a while before she won the title, and uh, Bianca Belair all sort of suffered uh, during that reign where three really over women had three really good NXT title reigns. I like Mia could have been a big player in the the first women's war games match, but obviously had to be replaced by Dakota Kai. Like, why didn't they just have Mia compete on the women's NXT team at Survivor Series the following night? You know, I mean, I get you know you want star power like uh, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, and Tony Storm as well. Like, you could have had Tony Storm or Mia Yim fill in that that fifth spot, given that. You know, I think Tony was still making the transition from NXT UK. But, you know, like I said, you know, Impact is is for those women who I think almost got overshadowed a little bit, especially for someone like Deonna Perazzo, who was, you know, sort of lurking in the background in NXT. But yet when she makes the jump to Impact, she becomes the biggest woman in the company in terms of star power. Mia Yim has that potential as well. And I think she'll do she'll do great in Impact. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, so, sorry, I'm just looking at the rest of the card. So, Honor No More against Bullet Club, Faction Warfare. Bullet Club and Impact Wrestling being really good. Jay White uh, doing his US of J Tour. Uh, mm-hmm. Honor, Honor No More uh, have been great. The team of Vincent, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, Eddie Edwards and Kenny King. And a five-on-five match. Absolutely brilliant match. Back and forward, and then call back to their New Japan days. Carl uh, Anderson's up on the top ropes. He's about to dive onto everyone when all of a sudden Maria Can- uh, Maria Canellis or Maria Bennett, whatever you want to call her now, appears on the apron, distracts him. He gets thrown off the top rope, and there to pin him is Mike Bennett. So a win for Honor No More. Honor No More. I've now beaten Bullet Club and Team Impact on five-on-five five mm. matches, and they're just going from strength to strength. And it'll be we're coming up for on June nineteenth, Impact twenty years Slam anniversary. I'd be interested to see what Honor No More and the Bullet Club are doing there. I'd love to see a like a massive like gang warfare match, or maybe a no DQ match. Mm. Like Honor No More is that stable that I think either the Nexus or Retribution should have been. You know, yes. it's, it's, they're not quite Impact, but they're also not quite Ring of Honor. You know, they're sort of in that grey area in the middle. And Eddie Edwards defecting from Team TN, from Team Impact over to Honor No More, that's just like a, that's a heel turn done to perfection there. You know, it gives them a little extra credibility and a little extra, little extra, horsepower shall we say just to get them just to get them going and this win just sort of solidifies you know that they're here to to run impact even though they're not technically impact by name and they're not technically ring of honor by name either yeah you nearly did that um that thing i always do when i was a casual impact viewer i used to go tna impact whereas now Mm -hmm. because i've been watching more and it's like kind of drilled into me every week impact impact I don't do it as much anymore. Anyway, yeah. so the next thing in TNA was <laughs> uh, the Briscoes making their Impact uh, pay per view debut. They were going up. They made their uh, debut last week on Impact, defeating Heath and Rhino to become number one contenders for uh, Violent by Design. Eric Young, Diener, and what was the other one? Joe, Joe Doring. Yeah, uh, and the Briscoes, uh, they won tag titles everywhere they go, and they've now won them in Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's another tick in the box with the Briscoes. I mean, albeit, you know, they're not the they're not the most squeaky clean tag team in terms when it comes to controversy and stuff, but I tell you what, though, um, they, are a, they are a renowned wrestling tag team. And, you know, like you said, they're like, they're kind of like the Dudleys almost. You know, they win titles wherever they go and they are a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Impact doing a lot for the 20-year anniversary. Um, and them boys are going to be a part of the Impact celebrations, it seems, at uh, 
at Impact 20 years. Scott also mentioned something to me about um, he wasn't on this show, but Matt Cardona, currently the NWA World Champion. NWA World Championship was the World Championship for TNA when they first started back in 2002. It'd be good to see something happen with the Impact World title. Uh, sorry, the uh, NWA World title on Impact uh, for the 20-year anniversary. Yeah, why not? I mean, give us more Matt Cardona. You know, the guy that's been taking the indies, taking every indie title that there is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, speaking of someone we want more of, um, Moose just off an amazing world title run, an amazing heel world title run, uh, absolutely despicable to Josh Alexander and his family in the lead up to their match at Rebellion. Josh Alexander gets the win right before his uh, successful title defence against Ishii. Moose tries to hijack the show. He says he's... He's not leaving until he gets his world title and gets his world title back. Only for the feature presentation, Sammy Callahan to return to Impact Wrestling for the first time since Moose broke his leg. And it looks like those guys are going to uh, be heading for a collision course at Slammiversary. So another big match uh, penciled in for Impact Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen Sammy Callahan perform once at an ICW show against BT Gunn, but, you know, I think there definitely is a, a a proper personal blood feud going on here, especially, you know, it evolves around a serious injury angle. Moose, definitely one of the most talked about names in Impact, especially, you know, everything he did to, to Josh Alexander. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't think I've ever seen these two guys actually have a, a proper match before, but setting like a prop a really good feud up for the 20th anniversary i mean i think this could be a solid opener as well if they decide to do that yeah absolutely and uh, josh alexander defeating ishii uh getting another successful title defense under his belt he's held the title all of two weeks and he's defeated uh moose in his rematch and ishii already so it'll be interesting to see what they do for impact's 20th year uh split slam anniversary. it'll be interesting to see who they put up against Josh Alexander. I'd love to see someone like a James Storm go up against him. Oh, that'd be interesting. But uh, yeah, sorry, on you go. I was going to say, um, could we see Morrissey challenge, but I think he's already had a world title match already, or is, am I thinking uh, X Division? No, Morrissey. Morrissey had a, a triple threat match with Cardona and Moose. That's it. Oh, it was a triple threat. It wasn't a one-on-one. Ironically, we talked about Matt Cardona. Um, Jordan Gracie is going after um, Matt Cardona because he took the Impact Digital Media title from her. Mm-hmm. And W. Morrissey wants to get his hands on the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. So it'd be interesting. We could see... We could see W. Morrissey possibly go after the Impact, sorry, the NWA world title. Or, hey, we could see Jordan Gracie go after both titles, the NWA world title and the digital media title. Why not? I mean, Jordan Grace is, you know, she's obviously, she's kind of like, you know, the the strong woman of the, the division. You know, she's not, you know, the sort of more skinny type. You know, she's she's got muscle on her, you know, definitely definitely has potential you know to challenge for multiple championships essentially and yeah i think she could still get a good feud out of matt cardona maybe if you get chelsea green involved to get brian myers maybe you could even do like a, a six person match you know have the major brothers and chelsea green against jordan grace morrissey and uh and another partner uh, yeah, three, guesses, three, three guesses who you could who you'd want to have there <laughs> well uh, we'll move away from Impact just now to talk about AEW. Um, the trios title, according to Dave Meltzer, are are ready to go. They've been designed. They've been they're signed, sealed, delivered. They're in Tony Khan's house. They're just waiting for Kenny Omega to return. So, could we see the breakup of the Undisputed Elite and maybe have the Elite going up against the former Undisputed Era for those trios titles? Mm. Well, the Undisputed Elite technically is five members, so you could have 
the only realistic way I see this is going is Kenny in the box going against the the OG Undisputed Era or Paragon as some dirt sheets have been rattling around for an AEW team name for the, those three. I wouldn't mind it. And then obviously you've got the Death Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the legendary Gun Club. Oh, of course, yeah. Clearly, clearly first on the list for trios titles, but you know, the world just ain't ready to see Billy Gunn as champion again. <laughs> you could go with you could you know have the Jericho, Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah, absolutely. You could have Eddie Kingston and uh, Santana and Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, so, so let's say that again. The factory. The factory, yeah, but hopefully not. Um, <laughs> the Hardys, along with someone, you know, maybe Christian. Mm. Christian and Jurassic Express. Maybe, maybe, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I I don't know when Kenny Omega's going to return. I, I have a feeling we'll see him all out at some point. But um, in fact, is that next week or is it at the end of the month? I think it's the end of the month. There we are. Yes, it is. I'm thinking, why am I saying all out? It's double or nothing for God's sake. Oh yeah, it's double or nothing. <laughs> Double or nothing, 2022 will be Memorial Day. So that's May 29th. Yep. May 29th. So end of the month, yeah. May 29th. And then I believe a couple of weeks later, I think the same weekend, uh, Impact Slammiversary and Hell in a Cell take place. And also a few weeks after that, you've got the AEW Japan Forbidden Door special as well. Yeah, that is June 26. Yep. That'll be that'll be interesting to see there. So I'm just getting the right date for Slammiversary 2022. June 19th. Yep. June 19th and then Hell in a Cell. June 5th. So it's the week after, so you'll have a double or nothing, mm-hmm. uh, you'll have Hell in a Cell, you'll have a week when there's nothing, but then you'll have a, a Slammiversary, and then the week after Impact's, sorry, AEW and New Japan's Forbidden Door. So in the space of five weeks, you'll have four pay-per-views. Mental. Absolutely mental. Wrestling Wrestling is absolutely amazing. But uh, in fact, no, uh, you'll have, because the week after that is Money in the Bank, for WWE. So in the space of six weeks, you'll have five wrestling pay-per-views. We are getting spoiled this summer. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was. it's interesting to see that they're waiting for Kenny. That clearly says to me either he's going to be heavily involved in the first feud or he's going to be the first champion. Mm. I really hope that OG UE get the the six-person tag titles to begin with because... I don't think Omega and the Bucks necessarily need them, given that you know they're they're big enough names in the company already as executive VPs. Like and Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly, I think they've done well so far, but they need a, an exclamation point to say, you know, we are here as the OGUE in AEW, and we need to go OTT on this on this brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. <laughs> Try to fit as many abbreviations as I could. <laughs> Took me a minute. I was like, wait, wait what, what, what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on from the uh, from the trios title and we'll have a couple of stories. Three stories involving uh, the female wrestlers of WWE. First off, Lacey Evans has been quietly moved to Raw uh, and turned heel apparently. She was... She was on SmackDown. She was telling her story. Uh, she was trying to be an inspiration to you know women everywhere. And now that's her. She's just away to Raw, and they've decided, nope, you're better as a heel. See you later. Uh it's uh, it's Emma Lena all over again. You know, you build her up to this new character, one that's actually kind of likable a little bit, even if the promos were a little bit cringy at times. But this whole this whole new look about her, you know, dressed as the, in the sort of marine cargo pants gimmick and stuff, like, 
this is a Lacey Evans I could get behind a little bit. I mean, sure, the story was a little corny, but you know, she's she's got the look for it, and she can sort of go in the ring pretty well. I think she'd have done quite well as a face, and I think SmackDown's lacking quite a lot of top face women, if that makes sense, because Sasha and Naomi are sort of yo-yoing between brands. And then Charlotte's obviously a heel. Ronda's the only face champion. And then the closest thing you've got to a face female is Aaliyah, probably. So having a face Lacey on SmackDown probably would have filled a void there. But just just brazenly moving her to Raw and then changing her back to a heel, it's ass backwards. That's all I can really say. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a step in the wrong direction. Um, and the Raw scene is quite crowded, whereas SmackDown is absolutely decimated at the moment. But um, another face returning to Raw this past week, Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss returning to Raw. Old music, but still holding the Lily doll. Old attire, but still got the same creepy I've still Bray Wyatt's gimmick grin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she took on Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville now only a full-time WWE competitor. She's been uh, fired from her role as a WWE official. Yeah, I think that's been a long time coming as well. I mean, why they didn't just do the the sort of blow-off match with Naomi at WrestleMania is beyond me, but regardless, it's... um, I I think it's good to see Sonya back in the ring because, you know, some years ago, I, I saw her as somebody with a lot of potential or you know, somebody who could make waves, but I don't think she ever really was portrayed as a, as a threat. You know, she was always teaming with Mandy Rose or, and even if she did do single stuff, she was always on the, the losing end, but she's a trained MMA fighter. You know, well, you'd expect her to at least have some credibility in the ring, but maybe here and now, you know, this fresh start is probably exactly what she needs, you know, get her from behind the, the office scene, you know, get her back in the ring and with a new lease on a competitive career, maybe she'll finally get to be what she should have been. Yeah, I think um, Sonia, Sonia sort of suffered around about the same time. Like she, she sort of became, she was part of Absolution. She comes in, but she's part of this heel stable at the same time as Ronda Rousey's making her debut. A, a recognisable former UFC legend, a UFC Hall of Famer. You've got former UFC fighter um, Shayna Baszler tearing up on NXT, and then you've got her right in the middle, and it's it's not that it's not impressive, like she could legitimately kill people, but she never got to the, the heights that the likes of Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey got to, so she's sort of caught in the middle where she's got this MMA gimmick, but we can't push her too hard because... We we have two other MMA people and they have more about them than just I have an MMA gimmick. But I did like her as a as a heel authority figure, but I, I agree with you. There should have been a blow off with Naomi. A loser gets fired match, she gets fired, and then comes back and goes, No, no, I was just fired for being an official, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But hey, um from a kayfabe uh, firing to a real a real, not firing, but a real departure in WWE. Uh, Candice LeRae has left uh, WWE. Mm-hmm. Her contract has fully expired. She was on uh, maternity leave <clears throat> after her and Johnny Gargano uh, had their first child. But it seems she's let her contract expire. Both her and Johnny Wrestling are free agents. Mm. I mean, I imagine she's in the same boat as as Johnny at the minute. Like, I think all their attention is solely on, you know, being with their their child at the minute, you know, enjoying the joys of parenthood. And then once once the dust has settled on that, maybe they'll start to consider where they go next. But I'm just glad they're doing okay. Personally, it's a shame that their contract expired. But nah, Johnny and Candace are too good to be, you know, sitting at home, you know, not doing what they love. But it's they've got a, they've got a child now, and that that sort of changes your priorities a little bit. Let and I remember Johnny saying on uh, I think it was Renee Paquette's podcast that 
you know, he's just um, he just wants to enjoy being a dad for a while. And as I, um, I can only assume, Candace wants to do the same. You know, being a mum for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. So best of luck to them. Best of luck to them whenever they pop up. So uh, our final story this week, it's a bit of a confusion around the money in the bank stipulation. So the money in the bank st- uh, heads back to WrestleMania 21 back in 2005. The format has always been the same. The winner gets a guaranteed world title shot any time, any place uh, that this holder so desires. We've seen people cash in at the end of pay-per-views. We've been seen people cash in at WrestleMania. We've seen people cash in during matches. All sorts of things. But on a promo for the the show itself, Cody Rhodes is in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. And he says, climb the ladder, get the briefcase, main event, WrestleMania. And it's made people think that the Money in the Bank stipulation is now for a WrestleMania main event. I don't know. How, I don't know how I feel about that. I uh, um, who who won Money in the Bank last year? It was Big E, wasn't it? I was Big E, yeah, yeah. And I remember around about the time when they were saying they don't know. Like me and Chris Lopez talked about this. Uh, coming out of Royal Rumble, WWE had no plans for the WWE title. They obviously ended up having title versus title uh, in the main event, but. When we we discussed why didn't they just have, you know, Mr. Money in the Bank come out and just say to the other champion, hey, by the way, WrestleMania, I'm your opponent. Mm. And I, again, if, if the Money in the Bank winner won and did that this year, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I think announcing it ahead of time, it dilutes the Money in the Bank concept, I think, especially considering it's, what, 10 months? It, Nine months, sorry. Nine months, uh, yeah. Nine months before WrestleMania. I don't know if maybe it's just been a miscue and they've not had time to go over it. Maybe we've seen adverts edited after they've already aired before from WWE. So I, I don't know if it's going to change, but it's a, is it something maybe to spruce up the... the would you call it the Money in the Bank concept? Because I think WWE the past few years have been running out of ideas for it. See, to be honest, I actually think the Money in the Bank concept is actually one of WWE's most consistent stipulations. I mean, it's been around for nearly 20 years now. And, you know, the element of surprise always seems to be there. Like, but I mean, every show you think, oh, could this person cash in then? Because they cash in then. I mean... If you say that on every show, you know, there's, you could say, oh, yeah, called it, etc. But the element of surprise is still there. You know, it's, uh, but if the money in the bank, if they allege is going to be for a main event spot at WrestleMania, then what the hell is the Royal Rumble supposed to do? I mean, is that just for, is the money in the bank just going to be for one title and then the Royal Rumble's for the other? It's, but then that raises questions about what they're going to do with Roman Reigns holding the titles, essentially, you know, it's, it's a very, very tricky one to say the least at the minute. Uh, but no, if it, my thoughts on Money in the Bank, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Keep it as the element of surprise and don't jam it up with WrestleMania at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, um, like, again, like I said, if, if the Money in the Bank guy, you know, do you remember a few years ago when Miz? Um, was desperate to be on WrestleMania mm. after he had main evented WrestleMania 27. He was trying his best to get in, or even when John Cena was trying to find his path to WrestleMania. If one of those guys had been money, Mr. Money in the Bank and just went, hey, by the way, this is my ticket to WrestleMania, that would have been quite cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I, I don't mind, I don't mind if that happens, but I don't think it should be, oh, here's your winner and, you know, the WrestleMania main eventer, because then, it, again, it dilutes the Royal Rumble, as you said. Yeah. Uh, it's Money in the Bank supposed to make 
it's supposed to make new new names when you least expect them to. You know, it's the shock factor. It's someone who who at that stage might not be the first choice to main event WrestleMania. I mean, just look at 2020. Otis winning Money in the Bank. Nobody took him seriously, especially when as a as a world title contender. It was it just wasn't going to work, and that's why I ended up dropping it to the Miz later in the year. It has to be someone that could win a world title somewhere down the line, but not necessarily do it in the main event at WrestleMania. That's what the Money in the Bank's there for. It's almost like a it's almost like a second chance opportunity, you know, if you're not a megastar. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of an equaliser as well. Yeah. And as well, even even Big E, like we, we go back to this year where he, he tweeted out, I plan on cashing in my money in the bank on Raw <clears throat> ahead of a, a Randy Orton-Bobby Lashley match. He said on the show, he opened the show saying it. And then even when Bobby Lashley started hobbling around the, the ringside area with an injury, when Biggie's music hit, people still went mental where there was still a, oh my God, this is actually happening. Like, he's going to cash in. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it, it's one of those ones where, I, again, you said it's not broke, don't fix it. It causes so many great moments. And you know what? We could be obsessing over nothing. It could just be a slip of the tongue. Or, you know, you, they could have the, do you remember when they started changing the, the verbiage? They were saying, oh, it almost guarantees you a world title. Like, you're almost guaranteed to become a world champion when you win Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. I think they might be changed because, you know, there's been times where WrestleMania, round about WrestleMania, the champion who cashed in goes on to main event WrestleMania. Look at the Miz. We mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's true. It, it could just mean that. It could just mean you're almost guaranteed to become a WrestleMania main eventer. Or Seth Rollins cashed in in the WrestleMania main event. So it's it's nothing it's nothing out of the ordinary, but it's also it, it, it's also something I don't want to see just become a number one contenders match. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll we'll stop there because there should be more stuff that comes out as we get closer to the likes of Hell in a Cell and Money in the Bank and. Hey, we could just be fixating over nothing. Yeah, possibly. Maybe it's. I'm just going to take that with a pinch of salt. You know, maybe they'll they'll keep money in the bank as is. But I mean, who's to say? You know, the the person that cashes in and wins the title before Mania won't go on to, you know, defend it there. I mean, like you said, you know, with the Miz WrestleMania 27, it is possible. Uh, but maybe that's the giveaway plan. You know, whoever wins it is going to win the title and then hold it to hold it to Mania. Uh, you mentioned Brock Lesnar winning Money in the Bank. He's mm-hmm. advertised for Money in the Bank. Oh gosh! I mean, it could be him again. Mm, I just, I hope my prediction comes true about Charlotte winning this year. I mean, it makes sense, you know, after some time off, and then you know she basically has a a spot to cash in on. Maybe no pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't mind her being Miss Money in the Bank and doing non-title feuds mm-hmm. or defending the Money in the Bank in feuds as her sort of title and then eventually cashing in later on. But I do need Charlotte away from the title picture for a while, which is weird because you, me and Ryan Gallagher have discussed before how Charlotte Flair is an elite competitor and she should consistently be in the title picture. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it does get a bit draining. So, anyway... But we said ourselves, yeah, the money in the bank is basically a world title in a briefcase. Yeah, exactly. So, we'll wrap up here uh, for our first central back. I think we've done quite well there. I think so too, yeah. Uh, next week's central it will not be recorded on a Wednesday, if you know, you know. Uh, depending on the <laughs> I know, I know. Depending on the result, it might not get recorded on the Thursday or fucking Friday either. No, no, we'll probably record next Tuesday, guys, uh, and release it for Wednesday morning. Uh, But please, please, please do not 
send me angry tweets or messages, David Campbell, uh, if your Centro is not ready for your Friday drive. But anyway, <laughs> you can check out the rest of our Centros and feature shows over at Suplex, sorry, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, uh, iTunes Anchor, yeah, I'll mention it, Android and Spotify. Uh, our feature show this past week uh, was on the funniest WWE superstars of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on that show along with Daniel Campbell, Scott McLeod and Kwaku Aji, so go check that out. Uh, Saturday Draft Live every Saturday on the network. A mix of um, a mix of David, yourself, uh, mm-hmm. Jack Graham, Scott McLeod and Ryan Dalgleish. But don't I'm let everywhere. Ryan Dalgleish... I'm, I'm everywhere at the minute. <laughs> don't let Ryan Dalgleish put you off. He's not on every week. Um, and of course, a massive back catalogue of Central previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. You can find it there. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Android, and Spotify. And of course, we want to get involved in the conversation at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That'll do it for this week. Thank you very much, and bye bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network.